ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, keeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they prowl. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position, ain't no issue commission. As a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing, cause I be willing and dealing. Find me the trade, cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 84 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts podcast network. I am your host, Rocky Petrella at Dynasty FF Addicts, along with my co-host this week, Andrew at Andrew Hall FF. And I feel like I can't start this pod, Andrew, without offering my condolences since it's the first time we've uh, gotten together in a little while. Uh, after that Bengals Super Bowl loss, great game. I thought they were going to pull it out at the end, but but ha- how you doing? You, you recovered yet? Yeah, I. I uh, <clears throat> it was tough. It was tough. I'm not going to lie, but I'll be honest too. Like it was one of those games that you watch as a fan of football, and and just I enjoyed the game. And then as a fan of the Bengals, I enjoyed the game. And as a fan <laughs> of fantasy, I enjoyed the game. Like I really, there was nothing about that game that that felt bad other than the outcome as a Bengals fan. But even then there were some calls that went weird. Everybody was going to be, you know, if the Bengals had come out victorious, nobody would have let us actually win that because of that missed call. So part of me is like, maybe this was the better outcome. I don't, I mean, it's not sour grapes, but it, it, it's been a weird week. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And uh, I know our, our guest tonight, I believe I heard him mention he was rooting for, I don't think you're a, a Bengals fan, but I know you you'd said on one of your pods that you were rooting for them to win. Uh, but we have a, a, an awesome guest here tonight. We have Ryan McDowell of DLF, among many other things that we'll let him plug at the end of the pod. But Ryan, how you doing tonight? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. And yeah, I was I was certainly cheering for the Bengals. And I don't know, honestly, maybe it's just being in my region of the country. We're we're about an hour south of Cincinnati. It felt like everybody, unless you were a Rams fan, everybody was cheering for Cincinnati between the. Uh, the the underdog story and uh, of course just how much fun Burrow and, and Chase have been to watch this year. So uh, I think there was disappointment all around. And Andrew, you're you're crazy. Come on, you're talking yourself into that. Oh sure, of course. <laughs> this is this is the time of you know the season is over. It's 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 like ah oh, what a what a ride. You know what I mean? Like honestly, like what a ride. As a Bengals fan, you really don't ask for much more than getting to the big dance. I mean, it, it's tough to get there. There's a lot of teams that deserved it. So again, I, I hate to say it again, but like, I was just happy to be there, you know, just happy to be watching my team in February. That's never happened. Before. So I was excited. You, you'd like to think with a quarterback like Burrow, that we could say, Oh, they'll be back again, but uh, it's got to go through Allen and Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert every stop. year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh, murderers row in the AFC. So yeah, it, it's going to be uh Next year, I'm excited. Next year and the next year, like it's going to build, I think. And and that's where I hope it doesn't come to a 
Well, that was the one chance we had, you know, I hope we don't look back on that. So yeah, I'm definitely, you know, it hurts, but at the same time, I mean, honestly, like Matt Stafford deserves a title and Andrew Whit- or Whitworth deserves a title and Vaughn Miller deserves a title and Aaron, D- I mean, Donald, it's yeah. hard to feel bad for that team. Cooper cup. My God, like that. What a, what a play that guy had like a couple different plays in the game. So it, you know, again, it was a hell of a game, nothing but love, nothing but love. Yeah, I hear you. I I know how heartbreaking it could be. I my my Eagles made it in two thousand and four for the first time in a long time. Uh, uh, you know, after multiple championship game losses, and uh, it took us a while to make it back. Finally, one first Super Bowl ever. You know, back a few years ago with Nick Foles. Yep. So. Hopefully that happens for you quicker than, than 13 years from now. So, um, <laughs> or 15, 14, I think it was. But anyway, we're going to get right into it tonight because I, I believe we have a lot to cover on, on our on our topic for tonight. And with the with Ryan on and just with the end of the season, I wanted to, we wanted to get into some team building strategies. You know, the football season is over. I thought it was a great time to talk about it. Junkies like us are doing startups now. I, I'm actually in two as of <laughs> right now um, nice. that I'm probably going to bring up a little later. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I don't want to just talk about just from the startup perspective. I want to get into trading, uh, you know, rookie drafts, how, how we incorporate all of that. Um, so I guess first I'll go. We have some listener questions, too. And one of the topics I wanted to to touch on with Ryan anyway was uh, – Productive struggle because we you know, that's always been associated oh, yeah. with Ryan, and uh, this is quote unquote a listener question from at Scott underscore Sidlow, <laughs> uh, <laughs> our third co-host who's not on tonight. Um, he he kind of wanted to because I know he even mentioned this in our DM group. Uh, he wanted to ask uh, what like how exactly do you define productive struggle, Ryan? Wow, it's it's been so long. Um, <laughs> well, has it changed? I feel like maybe it's changed. Maybe you've learned more and have like been able to refine it. Who knows? I mean, it's it's a pretty interesting topic. Well, I mean, I, I think when it when it gets down to it, the idea really even behind the terminology is that you are um, accepting losses, accepting that struggle with a goal of. Uh, of hopefully multiple titles, multiple playoff runs, um, and a, a high level of success in, in building a, a dominant team. So the how you get there, that's probably changed. Sure, as, as the NFL has changed. I mean, I, I wrote that article originally in, in 2014. So, yeah, certainly things have changed a lot since then. Um, but yeah, I mean, in, in, it, in its simplest form, I would say that's kind of the definition of the strategy is, um, you know, what we would have called tanking. And, and some people still do call tanking, um, but with hopefully with more of a, an exact plan in place. And I would imagine, too, there's maybe like trading down in there. Do you try and mm-hmm. pick up extra first and things like that? Yeah, I mean, the original... Um, kind of the original pieces of, of the strategy involved building around young players, b- building around um, and, and acquiring future draft picks, trading down in drafts. I mean, and, and all of those things have kind of become commonplace in, uh, in dynasty startups. So in, in, in a lot of ways, productive struggle has become a lot more difficult to, to actually pull mm. off successfully because um, not that everybody's trying it, not that everybody's trying to lose in year one or, or anything like that, 
but a, a lot of those pieces that made up the overall strategy um, have become the norm, right? I mean, everybody, yeah. almost everybody wants to move down. Everybody exactly. wants future first. Everybody wants uh, those younger assets. I mean, we've seen the, uh, we've seen the average age of uh, the top 12 and top 24 and in, in ADP drop almost every single year. Like that's, that's becoming a, a common thing. And uh, well, two questions I wanted to ask you: Is it still something? I mean, I don't know how many startups you're doing. And this also goes into Scott's second question, which he says can it be implemented anytime or from startup or either. I mean, I guess if you're doing it after the startup, it's basically just what most of us would call rebuilding, isn't it? Very much. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I have certainly seen. Um, you know, I've seen some bad teams. Uh, where the managers refer to them, <laughs> refer to those teams as productive struggle. But like, you know, if you're not doing something, if, if you're not doing the productive part, you're going to keep the struggling. Right. Um, so if you're not, if you don't have a plan, right. If you don't, if you're not making trades and working the waiver wire and, and, and really kind of have a, you know, a, a one to two year plan in place, then you're just, you've just got a bad team on your hands. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, I would say, I mean, when I wrote the article, the original strategy was reference was referencing a, a startup, and and that's kind of always what I've, um, you know, what I've associated with the strategy, I guess. But sure, I mean, I would say it could be done at any time. I think the I think the startup is the best time uh, to do that because. Uh, I mean, we all know in, in a lot of cases, that's that's the cheapest you have. That's the cheapest chance you have to acquire a lot of those players, especially. Uh, and the rookies picks sometimes, and, too. Like right. Future and, first, yeah. 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 When, so I, I think that's the best time to do it. But, yeah, certainly tearing it down and, and building with some of those same ideas in mind of acquiring future picks and um, and uh, young players that you think will gain value, et cetera. Sure. Well, so, I mean, I actually wanted to jump in here for a second because I, I I remember my first Dynasty League was in 2018. I started it with some home uh, home friends or whatever, you know, we're just fantasy friends. And uh, it was an auction, which I had never done, in Dynasty, which I'd never done. And I mucked it up like none other. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I was price enforcing when I shouldn't have been. And I got stuck with some bad players at round prices. So I was thrown into a productive struggle. Yeah. And I remember after going 0-3, I want to say, I, I started looking up like, all right, well, how do I turn this around? Like, I've done a bad job right out of the gate, not intentionally. And I remember finding your article and it was it was kind of like that, oh, that's not a bad idea. Like, okay, so I can lose the battle and still win the war, right? Like, I can take the hit and, and trade for all the injured players that nobody wanted at a discount. And I can trade for future first and you know, trade away players that are scoring points because I don't care about points right now. Like, it was a really eye-opening experience and I was in it. So I got to do it. And when you do it, it's even more fun. And I went and won yeah. the league the next year and everybody in nice. the league saw that. And everybody was like, Oh man, he, you really, you know, traded your butt out. And you, you know, now this year there are three teams doing it. You know what I mean? So like what yeah. we were just saying, like now everybody saw it work and they're like, okay, I get it. And I showed him the blueprint, right. You know, pun intended in a way uh, yeah. where it's like, I, I taught them how to do this and then they're now they're getting to do it too. But that hits exactly what you said. Now it's harder because there's more competition for those picks and there's and more I, competition for those, those younger players. And I was going to say, I think the best uh, thing about doing it in the startup too, is that's the point where everybody, I think at that point, most people think they're going to win, you know, exactly. it's like, 
it, when you're a couple of years into a league, there's some teams that are already rebuilding and, and all that kind of stuff. When you start with 12 uh, other managers, uh, everyone, almost every, even if people want to trade down, they all want, they all still want to try and win that year one. All, you, you know, most, most of the of them time. Do. Yeah. Sure. yeah. So, so that's another way that it helps. Um, the other uh, questions I was going to ask you is just, is, is that still your preferred method? If you were doing a startup today, is that, is that probably how you would attack it or, or, or no? Yeah, it absolutely is. I, I'm doing, I mean, kind of like Andrew was referencing there. I, I find myself doing more auctions um, when I'm doing new leagues than, than drafts. And I mean, you can definitely do productive struggle in an, in an auction, um, you know, targeting those types of players, et cetera. I think it's, it's so much easier to build a win now team in an auction than it is in a, in a draft. So um <clears throat> in those startups, startup auctions, I kind of find myself um, almost with a hybrid strategy. I still, you know, I still want those players that I think are going to be cornerstone pieces. Uh, I'm still trying to acquire future assets, but sometimes the veterans are just so cheap um, that, that you can't pass them up. So um, again, you're looking for players. I, I mean, I, sometimes I throw out that term generic, that generic term of young players build around young players. And that that really is a reference to players you think are going to gain value. And, and a lot of a lot of times that's young players. But, um, you know, drafting drafting Gronk in the last round of a startup a couple of years ago would have been a productive struggle move. Uh, you know, if, if you still believe drafting Andrew Luck in the last round of a startup <laughs> right now, I'm, I'm kind of past that one. But uh, hey, if I, they, I did. I did do that in 2021. I didn't. I, not, I, have, I don't think I'm going to do it this year. <laughs> right. Right. Same. Yeah. A couple of years ago, maybe. But, um, you know, uh, Antonio Brown's another great example. We saw the 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 value bottom out with him o- over the past few years and um, taking a chance on those types of players. They're not young. Um but they certainly have a chance to gain a lot of value if the situation goes, uh, goes their way. So, um, and that, that's really the idea is acquiring those players that you think can gain value. So in a, in a startup auction, that's almost unlimited because you know, you're getting a Melvin Gordon for $2 in a startup auction I mean, he's going to 10x that value, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's a pretty good chance he's going to be a starting running back somewhere. And half the teams in your league are going to need a starting running back at some point. Um, but none of them want him at the draft. Exactly. Like yeah. nobody wants to right. pay for him. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a different a different plan in the uh, in an auction, but still kind of the same idea behind it. Um, as far as drafts, like I said, I don't do as many. I did a, uh, I did an industry league a couple years ago, startup, pretty bad team. We did not make the playoffs. Uh, I wasn't last last is, is kind of the goal, you know, first or last. Um, I think right. I was, I think I was ninth or 10th, um, didn't, didn't sniff the playoffs at all and, uh, and, and won the league this year. So, there you go. um, yeah, that, that's kind of the ideal uh, scenario of, of how it would play out last in year one and, and first in year two. And I've been able to do that a few times. And I like taking the productive struggle approach with orphans. 
right? Like yeah. taking over an orphan and then just being like, all right, I'm just going to tank year one, right? Productive struggle. Let's trade away all the valuable assets for picks. And like that to me is the, is the most fun part of dynasty is trading. I mean, you're talking to some junkies who are on the dynasty addicts network with trade addicts as one of our sister pods who you'll be on soon. And yeah. obviously trading is one of the most fun things about this. So like taking over an orphan, wait, you mean I get to trade everyone away and everybody wants me to trade with them? Heck yeah. Where do I sign up? Like, so yeah, that's an easy way for me too to be like, I get to productive struggle. No one's judging me. I didn't draft this team. You know, like I love that. So yeah, yep. it's, it's the same idea for me. And, and one other thing I was curious about, Ryan, uh, does because part of the strategy is to you know be as maybe not as well, yeah, kind of to be as bad as possible in yeah. year one and and acquire those future picks. Does draft class influence your decision to use mm. the strategy though? Like we've known, it seems like. I think I thought this was the case because I got into dynasty heavily in dynasty Twitter and podcasts and things around 2018. And at that point we were already talking about 2020. I heard people talking mm -hmm. about 2020 and that did pretty much pan out. And now we've been hearing about 2023, I think ever since 2020 ended, it feels like. <laughs> so, um, I mean, those are specific drift classes where you'd want to do it. And we were hearing a lot, I think last year that this year, uh, 2022 wasn't going to be as good and, that narrative has kind of continued. So say if you were, you were doing a startup in 2021, would you be less inclined to do it? Because if, you know, assuming you're aware that the 2022 draft doesn't right. look as enticing. Um, I don't think I would ever be swayed from, from trying the strategy by a draft class. I mean, first of all, a year out, a lot of times we just don't know. I mean, even looking at um, what looks like it might be the top 12 uh, of this current class, what probably five or six of those guys were, I wouldn't say off the radar by any means, but we didn't necessarily see them being potential first round rookie picks. So um, I do think the class is a little stronger than it was, ex than it was expected to be, especially at wide receiver. That's certainly the strength, but uh, we've had a couple quarterbacks pop up that maybe we didn't see coming uh, a couple tight ends as well. So I think this class specifically is, is a little better than it's being given credit for. Um, and uh, yeah, in general, I'm, I'm still, I'm still doing the strategy. I'm still going with it because I know no matter what really, and no matter how bad the class is, there's still going to be some rookie fever out there. Right. That's so even, true. even if I want to pivot off those picks uh, for, for future picks, for, uh, for players, there's going to be teams in my league that, that covet those picks. Yeah. And it's like, not just like, it's about just the picks either. I mean, like you said, it's about getting those players that are going to gain value. So, I mean, even if you're worried about the class, you can still, you know, do that. And, and, and hopefully those players do gain value and it still works out for you. And like you said, the picks are going to gain value anyway, no matter, almost no matter how bad the class is. So. Um, and, and, and one of the big pieces of productive struggle and why, why you want to finish last is you want that one Oh one. Um, because in a typical year, the 101 is going to be a top 24 asset immediately. Uh, I don't, I don't think it's going to play out this way, that way right now. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe it eventually will if, if we get some, um, you know, some hype on these guys, or or the landing spot is perfect for Hall or for Burks or someone like that, or or one of the quarterbacks. Um, but in a in a normal year, we're seeing the 101 as a second round. Uh, startup pick if not higher so you know take that team that you drafted that you like even though they were you know not necessarily productive in in year one and now add a top 
a top 20, top 25 player to that. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's a huge edge you have on the league. Sure. Okay, and one thing I, I wanted to throw out to, to both you guys, and maybe I'll ask you this uh, first, Andrew and Ryan can chime in as well, but I, I, I mentioned those two startups earlier, um, and I want to touch on one of them now. Uh, I was going to say, I want to hear about these. Yeah. <laughs> one, of the, one of the reasons I wanted to do this uh, this topic for this episode, too, is I think Dynasty is sort of in this really weird place this year uh, where – like there's a bunch of aging point producers that we all assume are going to lose value, but they can help you win. And uh, there's not a ton of young guys that have both the value and you can trust for points. So I did sort of in one of them, uh, which it's a 14 team super flex. I did a, what well, I'm, I guess I could kind of call a hybrid win now productive struggle strategy. Um, I, traded down multiple times uh i picked up i had i now ha- and i really like the idea of doing this strategy this particular year because of those you're going to get a lot of point values falling but i traded down multiple times pick swaps picked up i have 523 first right now um i did not make wow. my first pick till the 406 Ooh. but in, uh, i i'm also trying to to win now so what 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 my start <laughs> has been and uh i the one bad thing about this that a lot of people will not like is, is the quarterbacks you're going to end up with, <laughs> but I'm totally fine with that. If you don't know, Ryan, I generally tend to, I like to generally draft. I don't go for the elite guys. Usually I tend to draft the, the ADP QB twos that I think can be QB ones basically is what I go for. Um, and I, right now I did not make my first pick to four Oh six. We're in the fifth round. I have Tua cousins, Barkley Dobbins and Diggs. And 523 first. And my thinking here is, uh, first of all, I'm still not totally old, even with the those picks. And uh, I do think some of those players at least can accrue value. Uh, but even if it goes wrong, I have 523 first to fall back on. And if it goes right, I have 523 first to, to help <laughs> me make my push. So what, what do you think of that one, Andrew? And I, I definitely get Ryan's input as well. Well, I'll start with this and say that the the best thing, and Ryan can hit on this, the best thing about picks is that they don't lose value, right? So it's a way to insulate your team from any sort of damage. So it's it's kind of a way, if you're in a startup draft, if you're taking, like you were doing, like if you're taking these tradebacks and taking on future picks, that doesn't mean that, that you have to take those picks, right? We talk about this all the time in Dynasty right. where you've got 523 first. Those are like, you know, cash bonds that you can trade for players as the season goes along. So I've actually talked to some other people about this where I get DMS all the time. I'm sure we all do where we try to help where we can. And one guy was like, well, you know, I, I went, I was thinking I was going to do terrible. I have five twenty-two first, first uh, and I won the first four games of the season. Should I pivot to win now? And I was like, always, Oh, I mean, this should always be on your radar. You don't want to just say, well, I'm darn it. I'm winning and I'm sticking to my plan. Like, no, be flexible, right? Like, you know, be, be water, try to figure out the way to make this work. And so what he started doing and, not this wasn't my fault or any that I didn't help for weeks. And he came back later and he said, I ended up trading three of those first away for players. And I forget who they were, but they were scoring points. And next time I talked to him, I think he was like 10 and one and heading into the playoffs as the number one seed. And I said that in my head, that's kind of what I'm thinking with your situation here, where it's like, you're not necessarily tanking per se. You're adding value in ways that are not scoring points, but it's February. Nobody's scoring points, right? So like, who cares? You know, take the best asset. I, I was just in a, a that trade addicts dispersal and there were, you know, the first overall pick, I took the 102. You know, I'm like, I don't think there's any better asset than the 102 right now because I don't think I've got a chance to do much better than that. 
right? And then like, it just the way I'm looking at this is what's the most value on my team? Right now, picks are a lot of value. So I love that idea. And I think too, if you, you know, start to see some players that you picked up, those QB2s, you know, let's say Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't leave San Francisco or Kirk Cousins gets a major weapon or, I mean, who knows? There's all these question marks. Baker, for some reason, you know, let's say Devontae Adams goes to Cleveland. And I hope that doesn't happen as a Bengals fan, but like, we don't know what's going to happen in free agency and all this. We see it every year. Nobody saw Odell, Odell Beckham going to Cleveland, right? And so like that same kind of thing could happen again. And in six months, your team could be entirely different than where it is now. And then in August, in six months, that's when you start looking at it like, Maybe I trade these picks away and start getting some players, right? Everything could be different. So I love that idea. Yeah. And uh, like I said, it's, it's, yeah, not even necessarily like I, I am trying to pick actually now that I'm picking, I have, I have seven picks in the fourth and fifth round. I, and we're into the fifth round now. And I think I have a couple sevens and a couple eights coming up later too. But there's a ton of value there. So yeah, yeah that's what that. I'm saying. And love that's why that. I like it, especially in this particular year, I wanted to try it out. Cause like I said, and I expected it'd be more like I'd be, having more guys like Diggs and Evans and, and then on my team, mm-hmm. I even got a Dobbins in there and, and you know, who's not old or, and, and a Tua who, who's a young quarterback that I still believe in. So uh, Ryan, I just want to get your thoughts on it before we move on. Yeah. I like the strategy a lot as well. I mean, you're giving yourself, uh, you're giving yourself outs with the picks, first of all, like, like Andrew said. So that's, um, that's an obvious, uh, you know, positive on your side. But the other thing, looking at these picks you've made, I mean, Tua, Barkley, Dobbins, and Diggs, all of those guys a year ago were second and third round picks in this format, if not um, if not first rounders, you know, in Barkley's yep. case. So mm-hmm. um, I think grabbing guys like that who have proven, uh, not only proven production uh, in, in, in Barkley's case and Diggs' case, but proven value, right? We know fantasy players, dynasty players like those guys. So if they all bounce back and, um, you know, Dobbins case obviously was, was injury related. Um, Barkley's <laughs> Barkley, man, that team. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I, I think they're trending right though. Like I, I'm feeling it, good about these hires. That so, was my thing. I'm yeah. trusting in Dable and, and, and a, another year removed from the ACL. I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I mean, I, I love the, you know, I love the hire for Barkley. I love the hire in Miami for Tua. So, I mean, can you look at this and tell yourself a story that Tua and Barkley are, are both second rounders again next year? Yep. Like, I think that's, pretty realistic honestly um so i I love those specific picks you made um and and yeah you're in you're in great shape you know it reminds me of uh and i don't know if i ever gave this strategy a name if i if i did i'm I'm kind of forgetting it but um at one point i noticed it was around the the time when i wrote productive struggle so it's been several years but if anything this is even more true now i noticed that I would, you know, in the earlier rounds, that's where I was taking my young prospect running back. And then later I could get Melvin Gordon or, you know, I don't know why that's the name that's that's in my head tonight, but, um, you know, almost an upside down type of drafting draft your, your depth, young upside first. And then those veterans, right. Draft Lance and fields in the first or second or third round and then Cousins and Tannehill and yep. whoever later. Car, so, you know, those guys. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're drafting your starters in rounds 7 through 15 and and your cornerstones prior to that. 
Um, so that's that's kind of what you've done here, but your cornerstones are just those 523 picks, uh, right. 523 firsts that we know are, are absolute gold. Okay, I'm glad I have both of your seals of approval. Then. <laughs> You're doing great, Rocky. Keep it up. <laughs> um, okay, so something else I, just, I wanted to touch on was just uh, kind of general team build preference. Like I know we all want to get value and all that kind of stuff, but for each of us, that means different things. And I tend to end up building my teams if I'm not uh, doing this experimental strategy like I did on this one. I tend to build my teams a certain way. I mentioned the quarterbacks. Uh, I tend to I tend to like to grab you know value to me means grabbing an elite tight end especially because most of my leagues are tight end premium I like the advantage it gives you um, and I tend to be I'm more of a running back I believe you're more of a receiver guy though uh, uh, Ryan is that correct how, how do you tend yeah. to end up positionally just loading up on receivers and quarterbacks yeah it's it's really simple for me honestly if it's a one quarterback league uh, I'm I'm loading up. And I mean, loading up on wide receivers. Uh, if it's super flex, I'm going quarterback early and often. Uh, you know, if we're talking a super flex startup draft, probably three of my first four picks are quarterbacks. Um, so pretty, pretty much opposite of you, Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't know if that's good for me or bad, but that's, that's kind of the, the general plan. And, and I kind of am kind of moving a little bit more away from the running back thing. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a little overblown this year, though, so I'll probably end up mm. drafting them anyway because I think everyone's going to be going away from running backs, and I, w- I won't be able to resist the value. Like I said, I, I did uh, grab two already, and I only have one receiver in that uh, in that startup. So, um, But, uh, Andrew, what about you? How do you end up, you know, tend, you know, not strict this has to be this, but uh, how do you tend to end up with the, your team's looking? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it kind of depends. I always like to add context, right? Context is key. So I always say it depends on who you're playing with, really. If I'm playing with a bunch of people I'm familiar with and that I can kind of, you know, at least somewhat bookmark what they like to do and I can kind of play the room, right? If I'm at a poker table where I know everybody else, it makes it a whole different game than if I'm just sitting down random, right? Um, same logic here. If I'm just randomly joining a team and you're asking me, which do I like to do not knowing anything else? I like kind of the hero running back, as they call it, I think now, where you get like that one running back that you kind of have as you're locked and loaded. Uh, I'm in a bunch of leagues. I, I joined a few leagues even this year, either through orphans or through startups that are the, the one, one, one and five flex kind of a thing. And so that's where I, I feel like that kind of fits perfectly to that strategy where you really only need the one running back and the rest can all be receivers. But I think in, if I, you know, if I kind of had to narrow it down, maybe the first five or 10 rounds, if it's a one QB league, I'm probably you know, two running backs, one, I try to get one quarterback, but I definitely don't get the first few. Uh, and then the rest are probably receivers. And then I'm probably going for that second tier of tight ends, like in that Hawkinson fan, uh, not Waller anymore, although he's probably dropped into that tier now, like somewhere in that range. I like that second tier where they still have some young upside to get up there, but I'm not usually going for the Kittles and the Andrews and the Kelsey's. I'm not usually going for the Mahomes and the Allens. Like, I don't think I have a single team with Mahomes on it. It's just not how I build my teams. So I'm, I'm kind of like, I would almost say I'm a mix, but I'm probably more like Ryan, where I tend to build through the receiving core just because I feel like that's the lower risk position. It's not the least risk and there's, there's always risk, but for me, it just feels better having, you know, four or five solid receivers that I know aren't going to really fluctuate too much aside from Calvin Ridley or those, you know, kind of random players here and there where you just can't see that coming anyway. But yeah, for the most part, I like having that one quarterback, you know, even in Superflex, one quarterback I can lean on, one running back I can lean on, a tight end I don't mind starting. And then, you know, eight eight receivers in the first 12 rounds and just kind of loading up. That's pretty much where I go. 
And and I, I did not do it in the startup I mentioned, but th- this will probably shock you, Andrew, and some of our listeners. I'm actually starting to lean a little bit more towards. I w- I don't mind again, especially this year, getting that one quarterback. I I don't think I'd ever draft two quarterbacks early. It's just not in me. But <laughs> I, I just because there's not that many guys that that I'm dying to draft. Or like in the past, it, it felt like there were way more guys that I love to grab in like the second round, and I I trade front back from my first and draft a bunch of running backs or wide receivers, whoever, in the second and third, and I, maybe I trade up into the third, and 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 you could. I just don't feel as good about like even like Devontae Adams is going is getting close to thirty now and and, and it, there's just so many guys like Cooper Cup is awesome but he's going to be twenty he, is, is he twenty nine or is he going to be twenty nine next year he's going uh, to be but yeah, yeah. twenty eight yeah so I mean there's uh, so many of the point and the running backs you know Cook and Elliott and all those guys McCaffrey are all aging now so. I'm just not as enticed by by passing up on. It's not even that I want to draft quarterbacks. Really, I just I'm not sure who else to draft in a lot of cases. So, um, I, I think the and this is a little off topic here, but a couple of things you've said have just made me think about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the class of 2017 that that running back class specifically changed dynasty. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, so we're talking, we're, yeah, so many, just the volume and, and, and how good they've been. I mean, Kamara and Cook and Mixon and. Um, Wasn't Jones in that class too? Wait yeah, Aaron, Aaron Jones. Yeah. And and I know I'm definitely uh, Leonard Cook. Fournette. Cook. Yeah. So there's just so <laughs> many. Right. And they changed Dynasty 100% because that's, that's really where strategies like Productive Struggle were born not because we didn't like the running back position just because the running backs were, were terrible, right? There, Mm -hmm. there just wasn't (laughs) that level of talent. And I noticed, and, and uh, plenty of other people noticed as well, we're, we're drafting these running backs in the first round and in the next year they're, you know, they're out of the league or they've lost their starting job. Like, what are we doing here? We're taking this redraft mentality and, and trying to apply it to dynasty and it just wasn't working. And so you talk about productive struggle changing. I mean, the 2017 running back class changed it and it changed our strategy across the board. And now in a lot of ways, it's changing it again, because now these guys are 26, 27, 28 years old. And we've got this decision of, do we still treat these guys like first rounders, like elite dynasty assets? Um I mean, did we even say Christian McCaffrey? He was—he's in that class as well. <laughs> yes, I think I, I think we we might have left him out. Um, but yeah, they're they're changing it again because they're, you know, they've almost created a, a divide of I'm sticking with these guys. I'm going to ride them out one more year, versus get out while you can. And, you know, pivot to the young. You know, pivot to Javante Williams or or pivot to mm. any of the top fifteen wide receivers. You know, if I can get if I can get any top fifteen, even a top twenty wide receiver for Cook or for Kamara, like do it. So you've got to kind of pick your side now. So it's it's really interesting that they're. I think they're having such a, a big impact that group of running backs. Um, still, well, I mean, yeah, and I, again, a lot of that though is is this time of year. Is we say yeah. this every week. You know, don't buy running backs right now, right? You don't need to. You don't need to worry about them. You don't need to worry about a roster. And I think we all would probably agree the running backs, the, the riskiest, you know, the, the cliff is steeper and closer for most running backs than we want to admit. And I think that there, we see Gurley, right. You just, he was literally a top five or top six running back. And then the next year was out of the league. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And then like Christian McCaffrey has had two bad years with injuries and all of this. And he's still, you know, going in most first or second rounds, but we're still seeing him dropping something. Barkley, perfect example, right? Like we, we see it all the time. And so that's just what makes it was it's what makes that whole class, like you almost said it, like it broke dynasty for a minute. And I'm wondering if maybe we're gonna go back to that because we're gonna see fewer running backs. And so at some point, maybe that pushes with the ones that are left up the up the board a little because there's only three left that are bell cow. Right. I mean, like Jonathan Taylor, for instance, is still a pretty steady number one or number two overall, you know, Mm -hmm. however you want to word it in one QB. I don't know if there's I mean, maybe you could say Eckler if he tries to get to the next level. I mean, there's a couple of those guys that could maybe jump up there, but it just I don't see that many doing it. And I think we were all kind of spoiled with that class and having, you know, five or six or seven running backs in the top 20 of dynasty startups. I don't know if we ever get back there, but that changes the whole thing around now, because now do you go for running back? Because there's so few of them. I mean, it just. We always have to play this game of where are we going next, you know? Yeah. yeah. Eckler was in that class too, just undrafted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> undrafted. Yep. That's true. And to Ryan's true. point, how it's still influencing. I mean, it was so much more enticing for the last several years to even buy running back, even in February, because yeah. those guys were scoring you so many points. And now that they're all becoming 26, 27, it's a lot easier to just, you know, fade them and, and move on. Uh, this uh, this that kind of leads into the next point I wanted to talk about, which was it's kind of a pet topic of our our podcast in general is uh, talking about dynasty what what Al Housler Russ likes to call dynasty value versus fantasy value, you know versus mm. points. Uh, obviously, uh, you know from our discussion so far tonight, I definitely know Ryan that that's you're you're going way more dynasty value in a startup for sure. sure. Um, you know, that's basically what the productive struggle is basically all about. Uh, it, I, I more wanted to get into maybe a little bit with trades. And this also is to lead into my other startup I'll bring up in a little bit. Um, but uh, are you like willing to sacrifice points for dynasty value in, in trades? Uh, I guess it's easier during the non-point scoring season. So I, I, I'm curious, especially in season, like if, if you feel like you're getting the better value but it's a guy who might not score you this year and, and you're at least in the mix or is that something you're doing just because you're getting the value? Uh, I mean, not, not every time, you know, not. Basically case by case. Basis. Right. Yeah. It's gotta be <laughs> case by case. Um, not only with the, with, with the players, but with the, you know, with the team you've got. Right. Uh, I mean, and it's always gotta be that like Andrew was saying earlier with the, you know, the person he was helping out, um, if, if you're always going to say, you know, I'm taking the younger guy or I'm going to take the, the guy that I think is going to be worth more in a year, you're going to be that you're going to be in that perpetual productive struggle. And, and that's that's not where you want to be. Right. I mean, the mm. productive struggle is a is a temporary thing. Like you still right? got to be productive. You know what I mean? Like yeah, <laughs> at some and, point you got to produce. And <laughs> I mean, that's a yeah. uh, I've talked about it on other podcasts, uh, maybe on here before as well. But I mean. Productive struggles an educational term. I'm a, I'm a teacher in, as far as my day job. And basically the simple explanation behind that is you allow students to struggle because you think they're going to discover the answer, the path, the, you know, the right way, whatever on their own right. versus giving them too much guidance and, and basically giving them the answer or, or telling them too much information. So it's kind of a self-discovery thing. But I mean, you know, unfortunately, we have students who are, are more on the struggling end than the than the being productive. And, you know, 
it is a case by case basis. And it's not to say I'm going to let every student figure it out themselves. Right. Because honestly, some are just not going to get there or some need more guidance than others. So um, when well, some that's struggling can be really like just demoralizing and be like, why am I doing this? And it's like it. I've actually had some friends that, that tried to do a productive struggle. And then after that year, they hated it. They were like, I don't like my team. I don't like sure. this game anymore. Like it's that same kind of thing. It just becomes you have to have the right mindset. Yeah, I think and, that's that's exactly it, too. Like there's more to it than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly not for everybody. So, I mean, just as as students would be a, a, a case by case basis, dynasty teams would as well. And and you've got to know when to when to intervene in, in a, with a student, when when to offer that help. You've got to know when to make that move in, in dynasty uh, either way. Right. Either direction of. Okay, I'm going to trade these two 23 first for Russell Wilson, and I'm making my move. Like I'm going yep. for it, right? Uh, or the other direction. I, I don't have it this year. Maybe I sneak into the playoffs, but this is not my year. So I'm I'm pivoting the other direction. Uh, so no, I would not always take value, especially in uh, during the regular season. You're right; it's easier to do in the off season for sure. Uh, I'm, again, that's one of those things everybody's doing. Right. Uh, but I, I mean, I like to, I like to buy years, right? Like I mm-hmm. like to go from older players to younger players, not just to do it, not just to get the younger guy or the, you know, the one who's climbing an ADP or whatever, but I'm trading Devonte Adams for Elijah Moore because I think they're going to score close enough in 2022. And then I think more takes over from there. Right. So that's, I mean, that's kind of the idea behind um, the the type of trade you're talking about. And and two, just with that same exact mindset, I mean, at some point, Elijah Moore will be worth more than Devontae Adams. We don't know when that point is, but that will almost definitely occur. And so what what it really comes down to is you're trying to predict the market. You're trying to predict as close as you can to where they're the same, but descending versus ascending, right? Like that's the whole point in the value trade. And then the I mean, like trade, that, that might be right now, though. You well, know, sure. Like, don't sure. you think if you're in 10 leagues with Devonte Ad- and you've got Devonte Adams, if you offer that trade one for one right now, you're not getting it in all 10, like no way, you know, I mean, it might be a yeah. half and half thing already. Right. So, right. Um, yeah. A little bit of it is getting ahead of the market. And I mean, productive struggle does not always work. If it did, everybody would do it. Right. And, <laughs> right. and because young players don't always work out. I mean, you guys know, I love Juju Smith-Schuster and, yes. <laughs> and he was kind of, he was kind of my guy and he still is. Um, but if you paid one one prices for him, or if you pivoted off of Devonta Adams or Tyreek Hill or, or whoever, uh, DeAndre Hopkins or someone like that, uh, two or three years ago, you probably don't feel great about that right now. Yep. True. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, every decision it basically in Dynasty, whether it's a startup or a trade, basically comes down to weighing how much you weigh Dynasty value versus production value. And I, that's something I've I've been trying to work on ever since I started Dynasty, because I've very much been, you know, if, if it's a scale, my my production value side is up here and then and, and the Dynasty value a lot of times is down here. That's why I tend to go. Uh, I tend to be the opposite of Ryan. I don't I think part of it's I don't have the patience for productive struggle. Um, and I always try and win now. That's that's part of what goes by my quarterback strategy is you can win now doing that because you can I don't worry as much about security. And I, I trust my ability to trade for guys if, uh, you know, if I, if I have a Brady, which I have on many teams or things like that, that I drafted in a startup. 
you know, he scored me a bunch of points this year and now I have to replace him. And I basically that's, that's what you're doing with every decision you make. So um, getting to the dynasty value point and leading to my, my startup, this is this other startup. When you're in 30 plus leagues, you can, you can try different things. So what (laughs) I'm trying to do this time is be paid. Well, maybe not be patient, but I'm trying to go way more on dynasty value, not worry so much about production. Now my, we're in the fourth round. I haven't traded here. This is the exact opposite of the other startup. Uh, I have, uh, I, I, I started at 108. This is a 12 team or so I had 205 and uh, it's a third round reversal. So I also had 305 and I took uh, Jonathan Taylor at 108 and then. Oh uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. There were like, okay. uh, I think it was six quarterbacks and, and uh, somebody else, I guess it was uh, Chase. Chase Jefferson. Maybe, yeah. yeah. One of them. And uh and I got Trey Lance at 205, which uh, I'm not even a huge Trey Lance guy, although I am warming up to him. That's that's something I learned this past year. A little side tangent is I, I was I was kind of down on Lance. Uh, we talked about it uh, last summer, I believe, Andrew, uh, just because I wasn't sure what kind of passer he'd be. And I've kind of decided it doesn't matter. I, I saw Jalen Hurts and what he did this year. And <laughs> I, I love fantasy. Jalen Hurts. I'm an yeah. Eagles fan, but. He's not that great of a passer, and it didn't matter. He was a he was a mid to low end QB one, depending on your scoring. So uh, I like the value, and, and he's definitely a value type guy. And then this is a, a what we'll call limited Debbie league, where you can we're going to have a separate Debbie draft afterwards, and you can only pick players in the twenty three class. So that's that's the mm. limited part of it. And my third pick was the Debbie one hundred and one. Um, because I figured it, what was left on the board, I didn't think anybody was going to be worth more than B. John Robinson uh, or possibly, year, I guess, yeah. in QB1, yeah, in a year. So uh, th- I was good, and I wanted – I told the guys I was going to have you guys make my pick. I still want to try and Ooh. do this, but it's a lot harder – or not make my pick, but help me make my pick um, because uh, MFL does not have ADP, so these guys are all Ooh, over the yeah. place. <laughs> Because we just had the rollover, so I'm gonna try and run through real fast. Just some of the guys I'm working that... on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. DLF mock drafts. Right. Yeah, I'm in one. I'm helping. That's always the appeal of of the February mocks is get in here and help make ADP. You're creating ADP, and then all the best ball guys hate us. That's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying it. to see who are who. Like uh, in terms of the picks, I can tell you the. 2022 and the rookie picks are in the draft too so the 2022 Mm. 102 is is the highest pick left the devi 106 is the highest picked left so people going for those 23s yeah (laughs) Uh, i'm trying to pick out who might be the best like i said they're they're in a a random kind of order here i'm just looking at guys that 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 seem that would seem to have at least some value going for antonio gibson is in here wait rocky do you not do you not have a spreadsheet going do you not have a, at least a, a checklist or something? Come you don't on, use man. a magazine? What the heck, man? Come on. <laughs> no, I did. I, I normally prepare for a startup, and I did. I really didn't, so I was kind of winging it. That's why I don't. I would have I like my it. normally my own rankings before I started, but he started this right after the rollover, and I've been meaning all week to kind of make a list of the guys that are left, but I haven't done it. So, well, shout uh, out Fantasy Pros. I tend to use a lot of their ECR and stuff like that too, just because I feel like it helps wash some of my biases out, but. I'm right there with you. Like I usually have some sort of a listing I, I look at outside of MFL, but it's tricky right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're at like the, I'm at the 408. I, I'd say Antonio Gibson looks like one of the higher running backs. 
I mean, Dalvin Cook is there, but he's going to lose value. Uh, he, he would have production value. In the fourth uh, round, though, wow. Yeah. Deontay Johnson. Oh, that's uh, your boy. So five, it is my boy. Five, five Debbie picks went before Dalvin Cook. Wow. Yes. And um, not even okay. So hang on for a Eric second. Eric Henry's I wanna, still there as well. But you can't, I'll, and you can't even take Travion. You can't take Travion. It's got it's no. It's five yeah. guys from the twenty three class. Twenty three class. Yeah. Well, I, I'm saying like I don't mind when you have like taking five twenty three first and like playing that lottery of who gets the one hundred one. You know the one hundred one is off the table. I'm not sure I'd take the one hundred two before a lot of these players. Like just because like I don't know who the second play. I mean we barely know Bijan's going to be the guy, right? Like we're you know a year out. We thought everybody thought last year we all knew who it was going to be, and it's not. Like that's oof, this is definitely an interesting draft. I'm I'm surprised <laughs> at this. Uh, so yeah, Deontay's there. I'm trying to see who else that would have significant value. Well, you got uh, Taylor, Dobbins so is still like on the board. Uh, tight end. It looks like most of the elite guys have been taken. Kelsey who's is a, there, but that's not value. Who's available uh, quarterback though? Is uh, super quarterback is yeah, it is. But they're they're not. They pretty much uh, Tua. Mac Jones, uh, Tannehill Cousins. It, yeah, it's kind of that range is what's left. A lot, a lot of quarterbacks have gone off. Zach Wilson, is he available? I know you love Zach Wilson. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I, I actually am not sure he's here, but again, because they're in all kinds of weird order. Yeah. Uh, I so, think De- Deontay's my favorite name. I, I was going to say the same. I think Deontay, of all the names you've listed, I think that's the one that it also fits your team nice. You know, it's it's your team. It's That's a, you, that's a your guy. And you've already yeah. got Taylor, so you're doing my hero running back. Like, you don't need to tear after another running back for a while. You got Bijan coming next year. Like, I would probably hit that wide receiver position. I think, I mean, honestly, I, maybe I'm alone on this island, but I think Deontay's in that wide receiver two to become a wide receiver one phrase this year. You know, and he, I mean, he was a wide be, receiver one in 21. Exactly. But I think he could easily be even better than this year with a better quarterback, right? I mean, so like, I, that seems like a slam dunk to me at that Oh, value. by the way, Saquon is there. <laughs> you've got taylor you don't need i'm telling you you don't need you got taylor who is the other uh who's the other player you got taylor lance Bijan, and, and this and Bijan. Pick, right and yeah 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 I, you gotta go johnson he's your wide receiver one lock it in man i love it one last one and then is, we'll Wa- is waddle gone waddle is waddle went in the second yeah yeah, yeah. um the, i'm just looking the best available tight ends tj hawkinson so we, we go in deontay over tj it is 1.75 oh if that matters no. I would I, well because you don't have any receivers at this point. I I would probably I would be teeing that up and then seeing who the tight ends fall. But I would probably go receiver, receiver, receiver. You know, if their if their quarterbacks are that are already at that level, it might be a while. You might end up with like a Baker in the ninth round. I've seen uh, that happen in some startups. So that's my two cents. That's just my two cents. Debo and T Higgins both gone. Yes. Yeah. Godwin, I'm guessing, is gone. Uh, no, Godwin. Godwin would be there. I'm feeling like he's in that same range as Deontay. Just, you know, he might've mentioned him because I feel like Godwin's one of those guys that we could see a big spike in free agency, depending on where he lands. Almost anywhere I think is going to up his value. And I think it's going to be worth it. I think he's a good player, but I, w- I might put Deontay over him. I'm just curious if he's there. Godwin is there. I, I'd rather have Deontay. I think I would too. I know you would Rocky. That's, what I'm saying. You should, <laughs> that's your guy. I'm telling you, like, go for it, man. What are you waiting for? You looking yet- for, you're just looking through the list because you don't know who you're missing. That's the annoying part, right? I know. I, if, if it was like a month from now, yeah, we would have it would be a little more organized. Uh, Again, we're working. Ryan's on Ryan's working on it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, T T T went at the three oh six. Debo went at three ten. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, there's a bunch of QBs going. It's uh, T above Debo. Ooh, yeah. 
And actually, T- yeah, I, Zach I Wilson think, is available. <laughs> T- he's gonna go and he's gonna go in like the the one turn of one quarterback startups this offseason. Probably right. Yeah. yeah. It's the yeah, I mean this this postseason didn't hurt him. <laughs> uh okay, so Deontay Pick is in. So I think, I think it's the one. So we will move on. Um we'll get to the listener questions and then we'll go to go to find me a trade. because uh, I did a couple people were nice enough to ask a question here. Um Listener question from Tommy Blair, he, him at Tommy BL and a bunch of numbers. Sorry, Tommy. I don't feel like reading the numbers. <laughs> Can you get into the pros and cons of being a contender rostering two elite tight ends in a typical non-premium format? Any thoughts on that one, Ryan? Oh, uh, you know, it sounds like you're, you're more suited to, to answer that one. You said you, you like to, to get that elite tight end. I, I like it for the positional advantage though. And then if you're rostering two of them, you're, you're only getting the positional advantage really with one of them. You can't, you're starting the other one over, over receiver or running back or, or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I guess the advantage, if you know, the advantage is, you know, if there's, if there's four studs, you've got two of them, right. right? And there's, you know, only, I, only two other teams. So it, the, it, it, it basically widens your advantage. Yeah, the advantage. It, it widens your advantage at that tight end. Everybody spot. else, yeah. right? Um, honestly, I don't like it. I mean, I don't invest in tight end early. Generally, I don't pay up in, in trades for for elite tight ends typically. So it would not be my play. And as far as as far as having two of them there's just so many wide receivers that are startable uh, week in and week out. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of all. And I'm about. with you, right? Like you list, we listed the pros, you know, basically keeping playing keep away. And uh, if you, if you have like two really elite tight ends, like you're saying, like the top four guys, uh, you can probably start them uh, over a lot of receivers and things like that. If you have like uh, Kelsey and, and uh, Andrews or something like that. But but yeah, I, I'm not even there. especially he mentioned in a typical non-premium format. I'm even less inclined to do something like that. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm pretty much with Ryan. Any thoughts uh, on this, Andrew? Before we move on to the other question, yeah. The the only word I would pick on is the contender part, right? Okay, so if I'm a contender and I'm looking at myself as like I've got a great team everywhere, um, that reduces your flexibility on those weeks when you might need it, right? You might need a little bit extra flexibility, and you pretty much gotta put a tight end in your in one of your flex spots. Well, you're kind of limiting your upside maybe on some of those other weeks you might need it. However, what I'm looking at is that what I would probably do if I had this, I would trade one of them to a non-contender for one of their better players, right? And just kind of like trade it to someone who you don't have to contend with because then it's basically the same thought process where you've only got, let's say there's four stud tight ends and you have three three competitors are going to have the others. Well, if one of them is not a competitor, you still only have two, right? Like it's the same basic logic. You're not really helping if you're trading it to a team that's, you know, one in six. So I'm, I'm not trading it now, that's for sure. You don't have to trade anything. Um, but I think that's probably where I would look at that and say, you know, who, what teams are at the bottom of the barrel that have, I don't know, like a Christian McCaffrey on their roster. And they're like, you know what? I'm not contending. Maybe I can get McCaffrey for one of those guys or, you know, make a trade. I'm not doing a one for one per se, but like, maybe you can make a trade like that happen leading up to the season and bolster your running back or your receiver group, depending on how the, the summer goes. So that's probably what I would do if I'm a contender, but it's a tricky one. I've done it in one league and, and honestly, I didn't like it. I didn't like <laughs> having to always start those two. It came in handy for the bye weeks, but that was the only time I really felt okay about it because it was like, oh, thank God, I only have to start one. Yeah, it was just kind of odd. It wasn't my thing. 
Like I said, I, I like it better in heavy premium leagues. I'm in yeah. some 1.75 and 2.0, and I don't mind flexing. Yeah, if I can flex it an Andrews or a Kelsey there, that's uh, it's a lot more beneficial. Uh, it's a double pow, yeah. But yeah. in non-premium, it just, I don't know, it doesn't really do enough for me. Yeah, and actually, one more question I wanted to ask both of you before we move on to the final listener question, which was, because I did mention this at the top about kind of getting into how rookie drafts uh, shape your team building strategy. Uh I guess, uh, Andrew, I'll ask you first. Do you, uh, I know a lot of people say they like to, you know, they like to go for the running backs in, in the rookie drafts. Um, you know, put the rest of your team together, get them in the rookie drafts, get them while they're young. Um, do you just, do you have positions you tend to favor? I mean, obviously in Superflex, if you have an early pick, you're going, usually going to go quarterback. But, uh, but how do you tend to handle rookie drafts and supplementing your team? Obviously, we'd like to go best player available. But, but what does that usually mean for you? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're hitting it on the head there. It, it's draft for value, trade for need, right? Like I'm going to draft for whatever the best value is on the board at the rookie draft because, again, it's it's usually in May or June or what have you, and I don't need a lineup. So I don't really care if I've, I have no running backs on my roster. If the best available player is Jalen Waddell or, I don't know, like a Michael Carter, I'm going to take Waddell every day. Um, but, again, a lot of that comes down to <clears> – <throat> sorry, comes down to your league scoring and how your format is and all that. And I mean, you might have a list of players that you really like and you have an order and a ranking that might be different from league to league. Um, I know that there are some leagues, too, where you've got guys that are, I don't know, Alabama fans and they draft Alabama players early. And you got to know that if you want to get the Alabama guy because you think his value is good, too. So you always have to play the league. But I tend to I don't tend to look at my roster really at all when I'm doing rookie drafts. I just kind of go, well, what player I think has the most ability to either stay or gain value between now and the time I need to use them? And that's pretty much how I play every decision I make. Like, why not? Why now? I say that on every trade. Why am I making this trade today? Is there something that happened that I'm, I'm, you know, capitalizing on? If not, I should wait. You know, why force it? But that's generally how I play it. And and Ryan, I'm going to ask you the same question. And to, uh, guess sort of getting to what Andrew says. If it if you're going best player available, it's uh, I agree. We pretty much always should get get the value and all that kind of stuff. I guess we'll. we'll we generally are a super flex ran a podcast, but the quarterbacks are the easy answer. So we'll take that out of the equation. Are you, and most people aren't drafting tight ends very early unless they're Kyle Pitts anyway. So yeah. are you breaking the tie with receiver? If, if, if you, you're, you're pretty close on both guys. Um, yeah. I mean, my answer would, would almost be exactly the same as Andrews. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess the the only thing I would I would add is it seems like when you get later in the draft, um, you know, back half of the second, certainly into the third and fourth round, uh, I think that's where it's probably smarter to gamble on running backs versus I wide agree. receivers. Good point. Yep. Um, but uh, but yeah, in general, I'm just taking the best player available. I'm not uh, you know not really considering my roster at all. You know, maybe it's a tiebreaker, but that that's usually not even the case. The only thing I will add to this is there, there have been, I remember now after I say this, there have been a couple of drafts where I know my team is in no shape contending and I am, I am not looking to win at all this year. And I feel like then I might tie break to the receiver because again, I feel like they hold their value a little bit longer, but I, I can't remember a single pick where I was like, where the gap was big enough where I was like, yeah, no, usually the gap is what it is because I believe the running back is better than that receiver, that teardrop, Right. There's a tier of running backs. I have a tier one running back available and a tier two receiver. I'm almost always picking the running back, even if I don't need them, because in the next couple of weeks, I'm probably going to trade them. And I know you guys have talked about this on Trade Addicts too, but like I can't think of a single team that I've kept every player on for more than a month 
You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I'm cycling through stuff and there are definitely teams where a year later I have none of the same players on my team. So it's like, I, I don't really care about roster. I just care about value and what can I do to make that better? So I'm but, glad you yeah. said Andrew, cause I was going to bring that point up as well. But like, if you're rebuilding, I, I know a lot of times people don't want to draft running backs in the first, you think they are clearly the better player you draft. I I've done that multiple times in rebuild. I remember I, I while back drafted, I drafted Miles Sanders in a, in a rookie draft. Um, just because I thought he was the best player available, and and I traded him within like it was definitely within like six months. It was I I, I think it was before the season, uh, so it might have been less than six months. But yeah, and and I ended up getting I think uh, uh like a uh, I forget who it was, but some good young receiver back for him. So it worked out well. So yeah, don't just think you I don't want running backs because I'm rebuilding. And a quick anecdote, I just remembered that you mentioned the, the Miles Sanders year. It was That was the year I drafted Josh Jacobs and the guy who had traded up to right behind me because he knew I wasn't contending. He was like, well, I can probably trade up to there and still get Jacobs. So I, I, I took Jacobs and then he traded me for the his pick on the block and gave me something else. And it was a younger receiver. And I was like, OK, you can have I don't want Jacobs anyway. So I got a, like a I forget who it was now, but it was like something like Calvin Ridley and his first for Josh Jacobs and my third or something like that. And I was just like. Yeah. Like what, you know, like, of course, like, but again, like that trade never would have happened if I stood the path and took the receiver, like, no, took the best player available. Someone else is going to want that running back. You know, those guys are hard to find. And then one last thing I just want to emphasize, I thought Ryan made a, made a great point there, but I I definitely have in the past couple of years gone to later picks, almost always favoring running back because you always occasionally (laughs) get those guys that'll hit uh, like, to a great extent, like Elijah Mitchell, but even more so, you'll get like you know just guys Ramondre Stevenson, yeah. yeah, or even Kenneth a Jared Gainwell. Patterson who'll get a twenty yeah. point game and and get maybe get a, a value bump, yeah. Kenneth Gainwell, guys like that that that, that they get that starter injury, and uh, e- even though they're never going to be the guy that you can trade them for a second after you pick them. Well, with they outscored guys like Deami like Brown and Amari Rogers and like all these other, you know what I mean? Like all those and players. And that's the thing. It doesn't happen with receivers. receivers that were yeah, supposed to much, be amazing. Yeah. And then just crickets. So yeah, it's a good point. Terrific point. Yep. Okay. So last question from Bryce Williams at Bryce NFL. And I'll throw this to you first, Ryan, while there is no wrong way to play dynasty, what is the strategy you question the most based on the results? Ooh. <laughs> which one do you question the most which one are you the like the least favorite maybe is a way to put it but that's not even really fair i like the way you worded this brace that's well played. yeah i mean i really think those guys who just punt on quarterbacks and super flex are crazy um <laughs> no <laughs> no uh i mean he's he's right with the, with his first statement that that there is no wrong way like you know uh, unless you're just doing something totally crazy that's never you never see any, any success from um then you know find what works for you that's that's what makes dynasty awesome you know productive struggles certainly not for everybody and you know a lot of people say rocky like you that that you want to try to compete every single year and um and and that's fine so i mean i guess i i guess i almost have to say like all in win now in in the in the startup is um well actually let me say this years ago i would have said all in win now is the one I would agree with the least, you know, like if you, because if you don't win, if you don't win in year one, now what now, you know, all your guys, basically all of your key players have lost value. Um, and then some of them have potentially even lost their job, lost their role with their team. So the, the caveat to that lately is, is exactly what I was talking about earlier. 
everybody's, you know, everybody's building their team around younger players because not only are the, the younger players, the ones who are um, valuable early on, but uh, also they're scoring, they're scoring uh, more and more. You know, I said, we were, we were seeing the average age of the top 12 and top 24 in ADP drop every year. We're also seeing the average age of the top 12 and top 24 scorers, fantasy producers Mm. drop every single year. You know, I mean, it, it used to be like before, probably before you guys were even playing dynasty, like the third year wide receiver was a thing, right? That was a real thing that we waited three years. Like we waited three years for guys to, to produce at wide receiver. And now we're giving up on, you know, Rondell Moore after one year or, 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 you know, Terrace Marshall or whoever, uh, probably should give up on him, by the way. But, um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, we're seeing the average age of, of top twelve uh, scorers drop every year as well. So you can have that win now team and still have some young pieces, some some cornerstone pieces. So I I don't have as much uh, you know contempt for the uh, the all in teams anymore because. There's a good chance you're winning a year one title and, and you've still got uh, a lot of nice young cornerstone pieces on your team. And my, my, my politically correct answer will be that uh, just I, I just don't like you having pre- pretend I'm not here, Rocky. Say, say what you want to say. <laughs> Is that I, I I don't like having one rigid strategy. Like I know sure. some yes. people will do the same thing every time over and over, um, regardless of how the draft is going. I I am not a fan of that. Uh, I, I'm not. I, I mentioned earlier. I, I like to draft elite tight ends. I, I like, you know, I'm more of a running back guy than a lot of dynasty people are. But it's depends how the draft is going. So uh, if if everyone's uh, drafting running backs, I'm not drafting running backs just because I like to draft. You know, I want to draft running backs. So then I'll take the value elsewhere. Uh, it's uh, it's part of the reason I've even leaned more into the quarterback thing is everyone's taking quarterbacks anyway. So I'll yep. just, I'll just wait a little longer and, and get my point producers uh, that nobody likes like Kirk cousins. So uh, that that's going to be my answer. I, I just don't have a rigid strategy. Go, go, you know, see how your draft goes. Uh, maybe try different things like I'm doing with these two startups uh, have tendencies, but, but don't be too rigid. I like that. That's a good answer. Any other mine thoughts? is yeah. Yeah, mine is is more of what irks me. I guess I don't know if it's what I like the least. I mean, it, again, there is no wrong way. You said it perfectly, Bryce. I mean, we're all on the same page. If it makes you happy, if you're having fun with it, go for it, right? If it's not collusion, it's legal, so you're good. Um, you know, I, I, I've seen some interesting trades on on Twitter, and you're like, well, they both agreed to it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not collusion, then it's allowed. I wouldn't have done that, but I, I if you go get your guy, man, you do what you got to do. But the one that irks me, and and it feels weird saying that, but that the one I like the least, I'll go with that, is when people trade back in, in, in years, and I mean in draft picks. So if you're on the clock at 110 and you trade for a 23 first and a 23 second, and then on, in 23, you're trading that pick for a 24, you know what I mean? Just just make the pick or trade it for a player. Like just gaining all of those picks looks great, but you're not winning titles with that. And so I feel like the, the and I'm not, I don't mind doing it once in a while or doing it, you know, one year. But I, I've been in a league with for three years with, with one guy who always seems to have eight picks in the next draft. And then it's just like, at some point, man, you got to go all in. Like, at some point, you got to win it. You can't be sitting on the sidelines. So, and again, that, that's just, that's not how I play it. And I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just that that irks me. 
where it's like you've got a lot of draft capital. That's great. But when do you turn that into points, right, to kind of get to what we said before? Um, and if you're not going to turn it into points, I mean, I, that's one way to play dynasty, never win and always have a ton of great picks and, you know, have a great roster. You know, great. Okay. But at some point you got to win the title, right? You know, you win dynasties by winning and not by just having a ton of great picks. So I, I always tell people too, like if you've got, let's say you've got seven picks in the upcoming rookie draft, trade, trade some of those out and get players or consolidate and move up or something, but like, you don't need that many picks. And there are definitely times where that happens because there are teams that have zero picks. Right, where they trade all their rookie picks. And so like there's one like I've got one rookie pick. Well, someone's got eight. You're not going to make all eight of those picks. And I might trade in at that point. But if you're not going to be active in trading and you're just gathering picks, that bothers me. But that's just that's a personal thing. If it if it makes you happy, go for it. And then uh one last thing, sorry, before we move on to find me a trade. I wanted to since uh, Ridley Truther had asked a question in the chat. Uh, I wanted to throw it up here. In a 12-team Superflex PPR, are Diggs, Godwin, and Darnold too much for Higgins and Dobbins? Hopeful playoff team again trying to get a little younger. Ryan, what do you think? Uh, easy deal. Uh, easy deal to make. You know, I mean, you could argue Godwin and Higgins are close. Um, I mean, really, the the, the two for two there um, is I think we can take enough. Darnold out of the equation. <laughs> yeah, right, right. The two for two is close enough. You're getting a little younger, which he says uh, is part of the goal. Uh, and, I mean, Darnold, you know, in Superflex, he's an asset, but not enough that it matters. You know, if if that's the price you're paying for buying years, uh, maybe if, you, you know, if you've got a need at running back so you can pivot from two wide receivers to running back wide receiver, I like the deal quite a bit. And I'm with you, Ryan. I, I don't see, like – I don't think you're getting a, much of a fall, if any, for, in production, and, and you're buying back the years. Uh, so I, I don't really see the downside there. You, you you on board with that, Andrew? Yeah, but I would look at it a little bit differently, and it's my, my trade brain comes in here where it's like, if you feel like that's too much, then add a, a 2023 second and send it. Right? Like, it, go ahead and send Diggs, Godwin, and Darnold for Higgins, Dobbins, and another piece. Right. If you feel like that's too much, then don't 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 worry about asking for a little more. Right. Now you get your guys and a bonus. You get a little icing on your cake, too. And then if they say no, you're like, all right, great. Take out that piece I just added and I'll do it. And you're still happy. Right. Like it, that's kind of where I do with a lot of those trades where I'm like, man, that feels like feels like a lot. I don't you know. Eh. Yeah, I'll send it. But then at the same time, you get smashed, except you're like, I could have gotten more. Right. Like and that hurts all the time. So it's like, well, I'd rather ask for more and negotiate down to where I was fine anyway. So I don't think it's a bad trade at all. I'm with you guys. I, I would probably rather have the Higgins Dobbins side myself. Um, a year ago, it would have been exactly the opposite, but that's <laughs> dynasty, isn't it? Right? Like, you know, a year from now, we might look at this and go, man, Diggs balled out again. What were we thinking? But I'd rather have Higgins and Dobbins. I think those two are both going to be top 12 of their position. And Diggs probably could be. Godwin, I don't think will. And yet Darnold's kind of meh. But if you can get another piece, why not? Send it off or see what you can get. Yeah, and plus there's also a lot of you know question marks around Godwin. Where's well, he going to be? Who's going to be his quarterback? All the the injury, well, all that kind of stuff. Now's so. the perfect time to ask for 23 seconds and thirds, right? Like now's the time that those picks are getting a little bit undervalued, I think, because we're all looking at this rookie class coming in, and you can easily sneak a second or a third on your roster. And kind of what I was saying before to use in a trade later, not to hold and hoard, but you know get another piece that you could you know push in on another trade that makes it go over the edge, and you you got that third for free. So what do you care? Right. That's kind of where I go with some of this. Okay. So we'll, we'll now get into our, our find me a trade segment and finish up here. 
this week's was submitted by Nate at Nathan underscore Roarth on Twitter. Uh, Andrew, do you mind? Uh, you want to get in the settings while I'll pull up the uh, the roster here? You're muted. I have the roster up if you wanted to do this. Okay, settings. I'll do the settings and you pull up the roster and go through that. Okay, 12 team, half PPR, super flex, 1.0 tight end premium. Uh, only 20-man rosters and only start nine. So shallow rosters, shallow starting lineup. Uh, starts a QB, two running backs, two wide receivers, a tight end, super flex spot, then two flexes. They do have five taxi spots to expand the roster a little more. Um, and uh, I guess I'll get into his little uh, description here, and then you can go into the roster. Uh, it's a little longer than one of our normal ones, but I just love the way how he like laid it out so formally. So um, he says his background is this was my first dynasty and auction startup. Goal was to punt RB, build around elite QBs, wide receivers, and tight end. After the auction, liked my team, but realized I jumped on too many cheap wide receiver values early that limited me from bidding up on studs later. Um, but this 221 result, the 2021 result was by streaming running backs out the waiver wire. He went eight and six and made the playoffs. Was unable to flip my 22 first round pick uh, into a competitive RB and lost in the semifinals. Landed the 107 draft slot. And he says 2022 goals. The decision for my team now becomes either tear down every starter to generate more assets or consolidate my picks and players bench players to upgrade starters or, or possibly buy depressed RB assets for 22. I does believe he should aim to be either first or last in the league and not in between, which I think everyone always uh, kind of agrees with. You don't want to be in the middle there as a start nine league. I feel like I should prioritize upgrading the starters and worry about depth later, which I also agree with. So wanna get, let's yep. get into this roster. All right. So again, this is a super flex, but it's a short roster, short start. I mean, it's, it, that's an interesting combo. We haven't seen that one yet, but mm. he's got Justin Herbert, Baker Mayfield, Dak Prescott, Sam Darnold on, on IR and Mitchell Trubisky as quarterbacks. That's a solid five quarterbacks. I mean, I think that's pretty damn good for a, a league this short. Well, he's uh, running... got he's got Trey Lance also. Yeah, oh, that's true. That's true. Yes. Trey Lance on the taxi. That's right. That's right. Trey Lance on the he's taxi. Four so again, starting quarterbacks. Yeah. Four starting and six. What I six quarterbacks that are worth rostering. So I don't blame you there. Um, running backs a little bit messier. Uh, he's got Amir Abdullah, Benjamin Eno, <laughs> Devontae Booker. Or Eno Benjamin, G. Sorry, Eno <laughs> Benjamin, Devontae Booker, Malcolm Brown, Jamar Jefferson, Dearness Johnson, uh, Giovanni Bernard, and Kenway Iwangwu, which again, it's a little weak, I would say. Uh, receivers, <laughs> Just a he's little. got a little, <laughs> a little, it's a little weak. Uh, Devontae Booker being your best running back hurts my soul, but that's okay. I get it. Uh, you got DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, Marquise Brown, Rondale Moore, Cortland Sutton, Elijah Moore, who we talked about, Diami Brown, who we talked about. Pretty good receiver core. I think that's a that's a Ryan team right there. That's like building <laughs> oh, around yeah. the receiver group for sure. And then tight end, we've got uh, Evan Ingram, Noah Fant, uh, Hunter Henry, Harrison Bryant, and Brevin Jordan on the taxi down there. So yeah, this is this is an interesting team. This is an interesting team. So I'll, I'll kick it back to you, Rocky. What do you think? Yeah. So uh, I'll guess I'll, I'll go into my trade first. Then, and, and we all kind of—it's funny—we all kind of had similar idea, but kind of I feel like went in a slightly different direction uh, with it. Uh, I went with I went going to trade Trey Lance and Rondale Moore, uh, even though I am starting to like Trey Lance a little more. Uh, to team uh, just named Alex for Jalen Waddle and Elijah Mitchell. I, I didn't think. Uh, 
I, I, I was mainly looking at Waddle, but I liked adding Mitchell. I didn't think I could pull Waddle and Mitchell with just Trey Lance. So I like adding Rondale more, especially because for me, he's not a guy I'm really believing in at this point. Uh, I think it was, I think this was actually on a DLF pod dynasty refinery with uh, Cal who was in the chat mm. earlier and, and Adam Harstead. I think they mentioned that Rondale Moore had a negative a dot. If you take out his one, like 80 yard touchdown this year. So uh, I, I just, I, I don't trust Rondale Moore going forward in that offense, uh, but I do think he has value to others. So I, I love adding him in here. Um, I'm looking to upgrade the starting lineup. I, I don't I think it's a waste, especially with the short rosters and the short starting lineup to have three potential stud QBs. And a lot of people I feel like do view Lance that way. And he already has uh Herbert and Dak. And even if you trade Lance away, you still have Baker as a third. So there, I mean it to me it's a it's sort of a waste of assets to to have that much that you can't start at one time with such short benches. Um so want to move one of them. Uh, Waddle would immediately become his most valuable wide receiver. Uh, at worst, it, it, you know, even if he regresses a little, at worst, his probably wide receiver two to, to Deontay. Um, Mitchell adds a start of a running back, and I like Mitchell a lot. Uh, there's the narrative in San Francisco that, uh, that they're always revolving running backs, but really, Shanahan has tended to stick with one guy until he gets hurt. I mean, we saw that with Mitchell this year, and then he is immediately when he came back, he was they were giving him all the carries again. So, pretty much every time he got hurt multiple times, that's the one issue he does have the injuries. But, but other than that, I like having it's easily his best running back. And Alex looks to be rebuilding, he has multiple first and seconds. Um, his only QBs are Stafford and Goff, which are not ideal rebuilding quarterbacks. So, he gets Lance here. Um, Waddle is a nice rebuild piece himself, but I feel like he can more easily replace him with, with either Rondale if he likes him or, or some of his first round or second round picks. He can, you know, like as we said earlier, it's a good wide receiver class. So maybe he's okay with moving on Waddle, moving on from Waddle to get the quarterback. So I, I kind of liked it from his end as well. Uh, what do you, th- what do you think of that one, Ryan? Yeah, I don't like that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you don't like it, uh, yeah, let me know. Well, I mean, I, I still let's see where to start. I still still have some hope for Rondell Moore. So, um, from my point of view, that feels like selling him low. Now, I will say if if you're if you agree with Rocky that you're ready to move on, now's the time because Rocky made a good point. He does still have value. So that's kind of an uh, kind of an eye of the beholder thing. Um, I think Trey Lance's value is only going to go up. I mean, Garoppolo hasn't even gotten traded yet, so. Uh, if you are interested in moving, uh, moving him, and I, I, did, I did think you made a really good point about uh, with the short benches, almost has too many quarterbacks. Even, even I would say that <laughs> as the quarterback hoarder. Um, but it, it, if you're willing or even interested in trading Lance, I think you you waited out a little bit. Uh, we all kind of know what's going to happen, but once it actually does. You know, it's like one of those counting it twice kind of things. If we're going to Lance's value has gone up because we're like 90 percent sure Garoppolo's getting traded when he does. It's going to go up even more when we when we're uh, when we're 100 percent sure of it. Uh, I love Waddle. I mean, everybody loves Waddle. So I don't I don't have any issue with him. Mitchell, I don't trust as much. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, the good news is Mitchell came back to be the starter every time he got hurt. The bad news is he got hurt three times in, in <laughs> one year. So, um, 
yeah, just just not a player I would I would necessarily be targeting at his current price right now. And, and, and but honestly, Ryan, I appreciate you uh, saying I didn't like that one because <laughs> too many times on this, and we do this with the guests as well. I think sometimes we're too we're all trying to be too polite to each other, and not that you weren't polite, but it was just uh, I, it's always nice to have a little disagreement on the pod. I I think I'm a little higher on Mitchell than you are. Uh, I, I I still feel like Lance has most of that value is baked in. You may be right. It's it's probably going to go up a little bit, but I do think most of that Garoppolo was gone value was baked in once they lost in the championship game. Yeah, and and I mean once once I get into my trade here, it, you know, it, it goes back to our startup uh, and team building strategy. Like that kind of kind of shifted over into these trades we, yes. we came up with and, and that's fine again that's that's the good part about dynasty as it should okay ryan uh, why, why don't we get it right into yours then sure um I, I tried to take advantage in in one way at least of that uh, of that quarterback depth as well um I, I came up with sending dak prescott uh, to uh, the team that must not be named for <laughs> Justin Fields and Miles Sanders. And um, according to the the trade analyzer at DLF, which of course we love, um, you would actually be you'd actually be losing this trade a little bit. Uh, 846 for Dak, 765 for Fields plus Sanders. So that the trade analyzer um, says that deal can get done now that we're in the off season. I'm not sure that deal could actually get done. Um, <laughs> you know, Dak's going one direction and, and fields is going the other. So that may, that may be a tough trade to even pull off, but if it can happen, I like it. Um, you know, he mentioned uh, kind of either wanting to be first or last. I don't think this is the first place roster. Uh, I don't, I don't know that you're one trade away from a first place roster. So pairing fields with Lance, um, you know, obviously you're, you're shooting for the stars there. Uh, you, you might end up with two top five dynasty values, uh, overall this time next year. Uh, and then I still like, I, I love buying low on Miles Sanders right now. I, I think he's super undervalued. Uh, those, those are the types of running backs I buy in the off season. Um, the, the bounce back, uh, guys or the, or the ones I expect to bounce back who have lost a little bit of value. I hate it, Ryan. I'm joking. Um, that one, I, yeah, I mean, it's not something I would do though, obviously. Uh, but I do get where you're going with it. I actually feel that's, it's maybe, you know, Jack, I guess if you're, are you looking at him as a descending asset? I, I just feel like he's a little low right now that he's another guy I'd rather hold on to and maybe reap the production. I, I think he's going to have a better year next year. That's the way reason I, I I wanted to hold on to Prescott and Herbert. Um, I do love what you said about buying Miles Sanders low. I've already been saying the same thing too. He, uh, he, he produced pretty well um, the second half of last year, uh, especially from a rushing perspective. They got to get him more involved in the passing game to really matter for fantasy. But, but uh, he was getting a lot more of the workload and producing with it. And I don't think a lot of people even realize that he had a couple hundred yard games towards the end of the season. Uh, so I, I love buying him though. And, and Fields, I, I've loved for, you know, since he came out, he was my one B to Trevor Lawrence's one. A. said, I don't hate it, but uh, I, 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 like I said, I, I like moving the quarterback and, and what you said is true. We, we, we kind of went opposite directions. I was trying to build up his starting lineup and, 
And I agree. I, it may not win uh, even adding a couple starters like that, but uh, I, I guess it's, it's our divergent philosophies the win now in me and then the, in the, uh, the productive struggle in you um, to go get the quarterback and, and, and kind of, uh, you know, not worry as much about the, you know, this year. So Andrew, any thoughts before getting into yours? Sure. Yeah. So I think, uh, I would say that feels light for Dak for me. I feel like I could probably get a little bit more again. And I'm not saying I wouldn't take this trade as is, but I'm always trying to grab a little bit. Those little extra pieces really do add up. And especially this time of year. Okay. You can walk away from a trade, right? There are definitely times where I've said, man, I'm glad I didn't make that trade. Right. Where it's like, man, sometimes the best move is not making a move. So if you can get more, I always say, why not ask for more, right? Why make somebody get make them happy and you feel like you're on the fence both in my opinion a trade should make both partners feel like a little bit uneasy and so it's like well let me send it for a little bit much that way they'll feel uneasy i don't feel like i want to give this up i do like the idea of getting a quarterback back for Dak, even though you've got a lot because again it's an ascending asset quarterbacks are going to be tough in this league because you've got them all so it's like you might as well you know just keep gathering them and then adding miles sanders and i'll use this to kind of segue into my own trade i looked at this like you have to start two running backs in this it's a start nine, but you still have to start two running backs. And man, this roster does not have two starter running backs. Like it just doesn't have it right now. So I completely agree with what Ryan said. I don't think you're one trade away. I think you are probably five to six good trades away from being a contender. And that's not saying being the best in the league, but just being in the, you know, a serious position where you feel like you can win. So this is, I mean, again, Ryan, your trade is one of those I think you could make to continue being, you know, building your roster, even though you're giving up a little value. I think you're building your roster out. Rocky, yours is kind of the opposite, where you're getting a pretty equal value, but you're, you know, it's a two for two. Uh, and just, again, to use the DLF trade analyzer, because I, I was curious about just this. Just to defend my trade a minute. Yeah, to defend uh, your trade two, a little bit. It's two bench guys for two starters. True. True. Also, in my opinion, I mean, also you, you could argue Trey Lance will start over Dak come this season, but but well, but I was going a different direction with the DLF trade analyzer. Yours is six ninety four, and the Waddle and Mitchell side is six seventy eight. So you're you're losing a little bit, but it's not much. It's it's very close. But I think Ryan said it that I'm I'm probably not that high on Mitchell, and I'm probably not that low on Moore. However, my trade used Rondale Moore, and mine was sending Baker and Moore for David Montgomery. But the logic, again, kind of what I just said, I don't mind losing a quarterback if you can get a solid starting running back out of this because you need at least one. I would say the first trade I would make, even right now, is because of my hero running back strategy. Like we mentioned, we're all hitting the nails here. Um, I would definitely trade for some sort of a running back that I feel at least is not going to decline too much. And I do think that offense is going up. I think Fields is a great target as well because, again, that offense is going up. Uh, I think Montgomery's got at least a couple years. And at least that way you have something on your roster. I think that increases a little bit of value in my mind on, again, DLF trade analyzer. That's 314 to 302, not counting a package adjustment, which I tend to remove on some of these because you're going to drop somebody anyway. Um, it's like, well, I think you're going to consolidate that just right. You're going to get the right amount of value, but it helps in the two positions, your heaviest receiver and quarterback getting a running back. So that was kind of my thought. Again, I don't think I'm down on Rondale Moore, but I know a lot of people are down on Baker. And I would do that trade with, uh, I think it was the team named Mila, M-I-L-A. And if I recall, I, I was just on this, but he didn't have the best quarterbacks. He, well, he does. He have Josh Allen. But then after that, it's Jacoby Brissett, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, and that's it, right? So, like, he could probably use a third, even if it's Baker. He could probably use a third uh, quarterback there. His receivers are pretty good with Cooper Cup, Amari Cooper, 
Chase Claypool. But again, adding a younger Rondale Moore is never a bad idea. Uh, the running backs this team has, he's got Clyde Edwards Lair, Michael Carter. He's got some running backs he can give one up. So maybe you remove Rondale, you trade Baker for Carter or something like that, right? Same idea. I just feel like even now, I would probably be targeting the running back position even in this time of year, if I can get them for the right price. And I just felt like that was a, a right price to me. Ryan, are you on the same page or does mine suck? To- <laughs> no, no, I like I like yours. Um, I mean, it, it's tough to trade for Montgomery, but I mean, this this guy's obviously pretty, uh, a pretty solid dynasty manager, you know, to turn this team into um, a, a playoff team, basically. Yeah um with with these running backs so you know if, if you get one running back even a guy like montgomery who's just you know he's fine right if you get if you get that guy as, as kind of your anchor and then you continue to play the waiver wire game if you can do that as well as you did this year which i mean that's we've kind of you know we've kind of put down this this 20-man roster um but that's that's the positive side, right? Yeah. That you can you can find a running back every single week to plug and play, uh, and not always going to be pretty, and it ends up with some of these guys um, in your lineup. But um, you can do it. So I like that one. I like getting value for Baker right now. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, and looking I, at it the way Rocky said it, I guess is you're trading what would be like your QB four, your QB five, and maybe like your right wide receiver five for your running back one. Right. Like just looking at your own roster, that's a terrific trade starting lineup wise. And with these short rosters, I almost always try to consolidate because there's almost always somebody on the waivers I can pick up to fill that extra spot. You know what I mean? Like I don't mind picking up players and taking a flyer, especially if you've got terrible running backs that, you know, dropping Eno Benjamin seems like a great idea too. like go pick up somebody else. Like, let's see who we can get. But I don't know who all is out there. I'm not going to look, but that's my mentality. I found another one. Bonus, bonus trade. What do, you, what do you guys think of this? So this is uh, the the team just win, baby. He's got Mac Jones, just lost Ben, got Carson Wentz, kind of in limbo. You know who who knows where he's going if he's if he's going anywhere if he's going to start. That's uh, and he also has Heineke. So those are his four. Pretty weak, obviously. And Jordan Love on taxi, but again, same thing. Like just so many question marks there. Yep. Uh, and he's got. Crazy running back death chart. Chubb, Eckler, Aaron Jones, Kamara, Singletary, Penny. Baker Mayfield for Penny. What do you think? It's not terrible. I don't know if I'd do that, but I don't hate it. I don't it, know if I would sure. do that either, honestly. I, know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That may not be enough. But maybe like a I mean, maybe like a same kind of thing, like a baker and a receiver for a chub. I don't mind that. You know what I mean? Like well, I, I don't know if that gets you the. That I was going to be my be only receiver. issue with yours, uh, Andrew. I like yours. I just think people hate Baker so much. I'm not sure what happens there. I mean, not that people love Montgomery, so so maybe well, it works. But... That's why I targeted an RB two, <laughs> right? I wasn't going for Dobbins or like Acres, like one of these names. Like Montgomery kind of went under the radar this year, but I feel it could be a good linchpin for your team. That's why I was like, but yeah, I like that logic, Ryan. That's not a bad trade. It's yeah. a, it's a risky move, but it's not a bad move. If you're going to do a Baker and receiver, you might be able to get. Uh, I wonder if maybe you could get Kamara. Given some, people I was actually going to say the about, same. Like, yeah. I wonder if I wonder if you could do like a Baker for Kamara. Like they both have question marks right now. We don't know if Kamara is playing. In all honesty, I love Kamara on on productive struggle teams. I love taking on any risk I can because if he succeeds, you trade him for more than you paid for him. If he fails, your points go down. That's what you want anyway. Like either way, you win. Right. So the like, Camara to me is a terrific option. If you're trying to be first or last, that'll you'll 
one of those two will happen with Kamara. <laughs> like, you don't know which one yet, but he'll either be and, first or last. And I'm not even that worried about the legal issue. I do have Me some neither. worries, actually, from a, a fantasy standpoint. Like, even mm-hmm. if he plays every game next year, who's his quarterback? Is Michael yeah. Thomas mm-hmm. gone? Exactly. What does Sean Payton leaving mean? Uh, but I also think that Kamara could have a little more staying power than some of these guys because because he hasn't taken the quite the beating that that some of them have because he's not running up you know running off tackle every play he's uh, you know getting a lot of passes getting out of bounds sometimes and maybe you could get Aaron Jones too that's another one of those like good running backs with question marks right a lot of people are down on Aaron Jones people are saying they'll take Dylan for Jones straight I up. do think I mean, for any of those you probably have to do Baker plus even though I think it's quarterback oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 sure. But again, why why not send the little one, right? Why not send Baker for Kamara and see what the guy says? You never know. <laughs> Maybe he replies back with, "Yeah, do that in your second, and I'll do it." Psh, done. You know what I mean? Like that's easy. Like before we finish up, since you uh, you threw that one out there, do you think Penny is viable next year? Um, viable? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think like we, you, we... he'll be the fan. You'll be able to start him some. Like he'll be at least a a one B that gets enough or a one a somewhere. What do you think? Oh, I don't know about that. I don't <laughs> know if I'm ready to go that far. I mean, just so much in the up in the air with him. Obviously we don't, I mean, he's a free agent. We don't even know where he's going to play. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I, of course with him, the, the injury history is, is always weighing pretty big. I, I would say if I have Penny on my roster, um, if he signs where it looks like he's going to be viable, I would, so. I would trade. I <laughs> yeah. Would yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm, yeah, I'm guessing even, even if it's like Seattle, I think that's still a good, you know, a good time to sell him. Cause you know, you know, everybody, Chris Carson missed most of last year. I don't think anyone thinks Chris Carson's going to be great again this year. So yeah. Seattle could actually be one of the best places <clears throat> for his value. I think so. Anyway, good trades all around bonus trade from Ryan uh hated my trade but I, i'm good with it so um, but i love you rocky i, I love you too ryan uh, and uh, and i'll be seeing you next week but uh for this show uh let's finish up here ryan i i mentioned at the beginning we're gonna let you plug uh we're, we're, me and uh, andrew are gonna take a nap while you plug the 90 different things you do <laughs> it's, not, it's not that bad i've, I've consolidated actually uh, okay uh, yeah, you can find all my written work at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter at RyanMC23. I've got the DLF Dynasty podcast. You can also find it DLF or on podcast apps. And Locked On Podcast. Locked On Dynasty podcast as well. Yes. I think that's it. That wasn't bad. <laughs> that wasn't too bad. Yeah. Well, Better than well, Bogman well, last week. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to all of them. A, yeah, Bogman's <laughs> a busy man too. He had a lot of stuff he was doing. That was great to hear last week. <laughs> Okay, so we'll just finish up here. Uh, just want to thank you again for coming on, Ryan. Uh, as for us, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Dynasty FF Addict. Follow Andrew at Andrew Hall FF. Follow our third co-host, Scott Sid. Oh, we always blame the third co-host for everything. So I'm blaming Scott for my bad trade. Um, Perfect. <laughs> follow Scott at Scott underscore Sidlow. Um, uh, and follow the DAP network at DAP underscore network. Dynasty Junkies at Dynasty Junkies. Uh, please give a rating, subscribe, and review if you like what you've heard. Uh, helps people find us. Uh, we always love to hear what you guys think of the pod. Um, and also make sure you're subscribing and following the DAP Network. You can get access to this when it goes live. Same with Fantasy Timeline. Occasionally, Trade Addicts will go live as well. Uh, I think that's it. So, uh, Andrew, take us out.
Yeah, again, Ryan, thanks so much for coming on. Good to finally pod with you. I know I've been listening to your voice for so many years. It's such a humbling experience to have you on the podcast. So really, really appreciate you having. And again, what an overachiever having two trades. Well done on that one. <laughs> but yes, with all that, it was a great time tonight. Awesome job, everybody. Well done. Let's hopefully we had help some of our junkies get a little bit worse at Dynasty. Who knows? But uh, with that, junkies out.